ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. This is the Conversation Hour. So shoplifting is on the rise from supermarkets to department stores. Retailers are reporting hits to their bottom line because of an increase in theft. Coles Supermarket, for instance, reported that total stock loss was up 20% in the last financial year. And the CEO said that that was due to a rise in theft. Good morning. My name's Rochelle Hunt, your co-host this morning, joining you from ABC Warnable, Kirsten Diprose. Kirsten, there are a few possible reasons being spoken spoken about as to why shoplifting of late has become more of a problem. Yeah, hi, Rochelle. Firstly, I think when it comes to supermarkets, the self-checkouts have a lot to answer for. You know, these rely on customer honesty. They don't really make stealing items that difficult. And let's be honest, they make shoppers angry mm-hmm. and almost resentful. And another factor that's sort of playing into this um ease of shoplifting, if you will, is that there is a shortage of workers at the moment. So the latest ABS figures from May show that there are 32,000 vacant retail positions right across the country. So again, just making it easier to steal. And I wonder what else is to play here when we look at the cost of living pressures that again may be causing people to steal or take something that they feel that they need, essential items like bread, cheese, meat, even sanitary products? Or is there other elements as well? Some reporting has even talked about organised crime gangs stealing beauty products and then reselling them on online marketplaces. Yeah, this really worried me. And the CEO of Coles actually mentioned it when she spoke a few days ago. You know, if you're a 16-year-old working in a supermarket, what are you expected to do if there are professional thieves taking taking stuff? Are you meant to intervene? And not even if it's professional and organised. What if it's someone who you believe really needs that product? Do you turn a blind eye? What if the person is intoxicated or drug affected? All of the elements that comes into the reasons as to why somebody may be stealing a product, it's quite complicated. And I'm not sure how much training is done for staff, whether they be young staff or whether it be someone maybe that's worked in a supermarket their entire life. At what point do you turn a blind eye? We know that supermarkets are making record profits at the moment as well. We also know that there is a lot of money going into more cameras to make sure that we're not stealing things when we're at the self-checkout. And as you just alluded to, Kirsten, that really irritates people. So they're thinking, well, instead of putting a camera on me, how about you stick someone on, you know, that check out over there so that I can take my groceries through. Oh, exactly. Although, as I did mention, there is a shortage of actual workers, but, you know, these self-checkouts came in well before we had a, a labour shortage in this country. And oh, it, what what makes it, you know, even more interesting is some of this high-tech surveillance stuff even includes body cameras and wearable duress devices, which is there to protect staff because retailers are 
that concerned. And, you know, Victoria is actually really overrepresented in the figures about shoplifting. So Melbourne CBD tops the list of the city's shoplifting hotspots, followed by Preston and then Frankston. And then we've also got Malvern East, Paran and Taylor's Lakes. That's also high up on the list of where shoplifting is occurring. So a number of reasons as to why shoplifting may be on the rise. Have you been tempted to do the wrong thing, either by cost of living pressures or maybe frustration at the self-checkout? Do you work in retail and have you been taught how to deal with shoplifters? What's the impact in the rise in theft having on you? On ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Good morning. My name's Rochelle Hunt, your co-host this morning. Kirsten Dipro is joining you from ABC Warrnambool. We're talking about a rise in shoplifting and lots of reasons as to why that is potentially the case. Whether it be cost of living, whether it be organised crime groups or that frustration with using self-checkouts. But what training goes into being able to deal with shoplifters? And, you know, what do you need to consider as well? Have you ever worked in retail, Kirsten, where you've had to kind of deal with an issue like this? Because it's complicated. You know what? I have never worked in retail. I worked as a waitress, uh, but never in retail. I desperately wanted to work in retail as a teenager and university student, but could not get a job. Let's have a chat to George. He's called from Paran. Morning, George. Oh, good morning. Um, yeah, look, I agree about the self-checkout, but frustrating. And they normally have, like, one person checking people out. And on this particular occasion, there wasn't anyone. It's around about, I don't know, about 8 o'clock in the supermarket in, in Melbourne. And um, I just walked out. I said, I'm going. There's no one around. And so I had about twenty dollars worth of groceries in my basket, and I just walked out. I don't reckon George is alone in that. Like, you know, we've all been in a situation where it's beeped three or four times, and you think, you know, you're you're in a rush. And this doesn't excuse stealing, but you know, what what do they do if they're not providing the service? Is is that what justified it to you, George? Yes, yes. No, I, I go to the supermarket a lot, and. Um, I just don't like going through those self-checkouts at all. And I've spoken to other people, especially the elderly, and, um, you know, I've been waiting there. There's been a big line-up with one person doing checkouts, um, you know, someone on the um, the register. And I said to the lady, I'm just going to wait here. I don't mind waiting um, because I don't like going out the self-checkouts. What's interesting, though, George, is I know we did a program not too long ago on looking at just some of the abuse that retail workers cop. And you can go back through the ABC Listen Up to listen to that because it was actually a really emotive and powerful conversation. And what I found fascinating, Kirsten, was that one supermarket worker said, I get it, right? I get that self-checkouts are frustrating but when people do the wrong thing or when they get angry or aggressive, it actually just makes our life worse and it makes our life harder. So it's finding that balance, isn't it? But it is frustrating when more and more effort and money is being spent onto cameras as opposed to people that actually work. Yeah, I feel for people working in that situation. But again, they were put there by a, a, a decision at corporate uh, and that's who should be addressing it. Um, you know, that's why they're in that situation. 
I yeah, I hate doing the self checkout. I I I line up every time, but I have a massive shop. You know, I live fifty minutes from the supermarket, so I do a weekly shop. There's no way I'm doing a self checkout with two kids at my feet and a weekly shop. Ray's in Bulleen. Hi, Ray. Hi. How are you going today? Good, thanks. What did you want to say? Uh, I'm against that one. Uh, probably, if we consider the social justice for all people, at one point all these supermarkets or giant stores and also everybody in the community is responsible to provide the basics for the people. If mm-hmm. I used to work uh, at a supermarket and I see somebody that is probably maybe old or young or have some problem with providing food for the people, I turn a blind eye for them. It's our job to provide lots of facility for our people, especially these uh, giant supermarkets or banks or those people. It's really complicated, Ray, isn't it? Because there are services and food charities that provide free food for people. And there's texts here saying, why would you be making excuses for people stealing? We're just spoilt in Mm -hmm. this country. So even though if somebody needs it, or as we heard from George before, people are saying, well, we're actually paying for you now, George, for your entitlement to, to go and take those products. Where do we draw the line, Ray, because it's against the law, isn't it? Yes, I understand, but uh, still I think that these uh, big supermarkets or big banks make a fortune out of our pocket. Then they, they actually, I think they, they, they deserve to just have some, some kind of, uh, what do you call, cost like this. They should consider this like a 10% of their total income or total profit in that section, I believe. I may be wrong, but this is my, just my opinion. Good on you, Ray. Great to hear from you. Ray makes an interesting point, doesn't he? Um, you know, and of course, uh, the big supermarkets still posted profits, even though they are concerned about their bottom lines and they've been taking a hit. They're still very profitable. Paul Zara is with us. He's the CEO of the Australian Retailers Association. Welcome to the program, Paul. Good morning. This is obviously concerning for your members. You know, how, how bad is this across the retail sector? Well, look, shoplifting and theft in general costs the retail industry about $9 billion uh, annually. So it's a big number, like it's a big, great concern. And I've been in the industry for many, many decades. um, And this is the first time I've seen shoplifting and and also um, uh, organised crime, which is professional shoplifting at this sort of elevated levels. And first time I can remember in, in living history in the industry where you've got big companies coming out and actually talking to their results and actually citing um, retail crime as being one of the issues for their, 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 in, their in their numbers. So, so Paul, when we concern. talk about organised crime and shoplifting, yes. can you explain a little bit what does that yeah. mean? Because when we think organised crime, you know, you think drug cartels and, you know, it's yes. not like all of a sudden... Well, it, it's, it's a bit like that, actually. So let me just explain. Organised crime is best described when it's two or more people... Um, working together and it's what we call professional shoplifting so they would come in and actually a shoplifter as an example may go to the 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 makeup aisle in a supermarket and steal one product for their own personal use an organized crime person would walk in and actually with a bag remove the whole prong of product um with the with the intended use intended intention to sell on that product to make a profit and that's the, the big difference. They're not, they're not stealing for themselves, they're stealing. And generally driven by often drugs, alcohol abuse, those types of things where they're trying to get cash. 
Do we know how much of the problem is that level of organised crime versus, you know, cost of living, someone just taking an extra bit of ham for the yes, family? Yeah. What's the percentage? Yeah, look, the the problem in the retail crime area, it's really hard to get actual proper data. So we rely on most things go on, most issues go unreported. That's the other problem. So we're sort of working through, we've set up at the Australian Retailers Association a retail advisory uh, committee to bring major retailers together to try and share insights to work through this issue. But look, I've been watching this very closely for some time. Organised crime has been prolific within the US. Um, uh, particularly uh, due to their, 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 their drug-related issues. Uh, and we're starting to see that here becoming a significant problem um, uh, locally. So it's a big part of, uh, in talking to retailers, I would probably estimate it could be at least half of 50% of the shoplifting is uh, or retail crime is actually organised crime. That's a huge number and it predominantly... Mm. And that's my estimates, right? It, I don't have any data based yeah, on what, I, what, what, you're what talking I'm talking yeah. So is most of these retail theft happening within supermarkets or is it happening in other forms of retail? Because sometimes there's a yes. bit of an assumption of, well, you guys just made record profits. I understand, yeah. So bug you, I'm taking it, I'm entitled to this. You know, there's texts in saying, well, they've been ripping me off for years, now it's my turn. <laughs> well, look, let me, let me say that it's always... Um, it, it, I, I know those big numbers are often hard for people to comprehend but really the reality is there's no excuse for shoplifting or retail crime it is it is it is a um a criminal offense and 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 shoplifters will be handed over to police it's as simple as that so people that actually become that do shoplift they tend to get become more and more confident and with that ultimately um they they get caught out so it's a matter of time now of course yes we just heard earlier in some of the um uh, listeners calling in um, there has been a massive investment in technology because what's happening right now is that uh, labour costs are escalating and technology costs are, are coming down significantly. So, you know, in fact, technology is a better source of information in, in curbing the retail crime issue than, than human beings will be because they're much more accurate. And, and they also can store data that actually allows um, that information to be handled, handed over to police. Paul Zara is the CEO of the Australian Retailers Association. Paul, what about some of the smaller outlets? I think public opinion, looking at the texts and, and from our callers, probably go more to the side of those smaller businesses. Yes. Are they facing this problem too? Because it's harder for them to recover when they take that hit to their bottom oh, line. Absolutely. Well, the, the, the reality is for small businesses, it can often be worse because um, it, it's, it can make or break whether they stay open. Because all you need in a, in a business is a 2 to 3% loss in merchandise equates to a 25% drop in profit. So it doesn't take much. Small businesses are on much smaller margins uh, and as a result um, are much more vulnerable and they don't necessarily have the resources to invest in the technology required to stay afloat. So we've really got to curb this issue in this country because uh, the prevalence of theft is on the rise uh, and all retailers are looking at ways to try and solve it. And it's one of those things, if you don't solve it within your shop or store, the um, the criminals or the, the shoplifters slash organised crime, they can quickly ascertain who's got what technology, move quickly to the ones that don't have it. So um, it's important everybody's on board. Just quickly and finally, Paul, we knew the moment we mentioned self-checkouts that the phones would go nuts and that the text line would follow, <laughs> and it's certainly yes. done that. And they've been around for long enough now, but the I guess the dislike of them hasn't changed. There's a lot of money and resources being spent by supermarket chains, both small and large, to 
film people, to deter people, to use security cameras, whatever it may be when they're yes. using self-checkouts. Why not just put that money into putting more people into in, the supermarket? Sure. Look, it's a, it's a, it's a good question. Self-checkouts have been in places long as I can, like at least a decade, right? So they've been in for some time and it's no different that I can recall when I was much younger uh, when petrol bouses were removed or when bank tellers went to ATMs. It's that technology change. It can often be generational, but equally, um, the, re- the harsh reality is people want to, sh- want to actually have lower prices. Um, uh, retailers are looking at ways to take costs down and that's part of it. Um, often um, there's also um, a large cohort that actually prefer to check it themselves out and not have to um, deal with a staff member. They prefer to actually check it themselves out, you know, which is what happens in banks and other locations where you don't need to necessarily interact with a human being. So it does come down to personal choice. I know it can often um, <laughs> provoke lots of commentary, but there is, I would argue there is just as many people that do, like, do enjoy the self-checkouts. Paul Zara, thank you so much for your time. Pleasure. Paul Zara there, CEO of the Australian Retailers Association. What's behind the rise in shoplifting? Is it cost of living pressures or opportunism from organised crime? Would you be tempted to do the wrong thing? Pam is in Berwick. Hi, Pam. Oh, hello. A good subject, you know. Um, But look, I look at it uh, like this. I mean, shoplifting is a crime. I mean, it's all very well to say all these companies are making big profits, but if we didn't have companies making profits, we wouldn't have so many jobs. And now, as the other fellow was saying, you know, small businesses, they can't put up with any amount of shoplifting. I mean, it's just wrong. And I think they should be reported. And then if there's a good reason behind it, let the court sort it out. Good to hear from you, Pam. Thank you. Steve's called from the Western Suburbs. Morning, Steve. Good morning. What did you want to say? Um, Look, we've got two coals next to us in the West. Um, And one of them, one of the coals is right next door to a retirement village. And it's gone completely self-checkout, which is astonishing and ludicrous. And we've got another coals only about three or four kilometres away. And it's happened on a number of occasions whereby just average mums and dads going in, doing their shopping, picking up, you know, a carton of milk and a loaf of bread and actually going to the front and announcing to the store, I can't afford to pay for this, but I promise you when I get paid next week, I'll come back and pay for it. And I think that's really a sign of the times. There's a a text here that says, I feel like we're discussing a modern day version of Les Mis and that idea of people taking things because they need it but I guess if you know to push back a little bit Steve as I said earlier we do have charities we do have food banks and all forms of charities that will help you that will feed you if you need it you don't need to steal is I mean is any excuse right to to take something that isn't yours no it's not no but um, I suppose um a lot of the charities are really uh, busting at the seams yeah. and it's it's also can be seen as, you know, I'm standing in a line, I'm going to be noticed by people, there's no privacy yeah. in it. Yeah. You know, I've been past a charity recently in, in my work that I do and I've seen queues right around the corner, people standing around and waiting for the charity to open to pick up that, that carton of milk. It's really tough. It so is, Stephen. You raise a good point, Kirsten, in the difference between someone who in that split-second decision says, 
I'm not sure if I can afford this milk, but I know that we need it. And I know I've also got to put petrol in the car and they make that decision to take something that they know that they shouldn't and is a crime versus what Paul Zara was talking about and what he believes to be closer to 50% of being organised crime. You know, the fact now that we have the biggest increase in theft, in retail theft, you can start to see why when there are so many different elements behind this. It's not just one thing. And I think the fact that organised crime is able to make some money out of this, because yes, they're those kind of beauty products, the non-perishables, but they don't, you know, generate as much money as I would imagine the drug cartels do. But there is obviously a market out there on those online marketplaces because people don't want to pay. Yeah, they don't want to pay the prices at the supermarket because they can't. Someone's buying it. And it's a global thing. Uh, Paul mentioned US uh, in the UK. It's a problem as well. And we're seeing it here now. This message from Chris is in Preston. He says, I could have shoplifted two items from Kmart last week. No barcode, no help or no care from the staff. I gave up and I left the items there. I had the exact same thing happen to me, Chris. There was nothing on it, but there was a staff member there that came over and managed to manually key in the barcode. But, you know, depending on what you were buying, if you were desperate for school leggings for your kid or whatever it may be, when that temptation is there, maybe this is a part of the reason why we're seeing the numbers of theft rise. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Good morning, Rochelle Hunty with your Melbourne Kirsten Tipros joining you from ABC Warrnambool. This message from Liz. This is such an interesting topic. I don't like the use of the word shoplifting. It's stealing if you haven't paid for something that has a price. Where is the moral compass of some of these people who just couldn't be bothered waiting in a queue? I volunteer for a charity that provides food and vouchers for those in need and it's a very supportive way. When we look at if you work in retail, Kirsten, do you have the confidence, do you have the training to go up to somebody and say, I've seen what you've done? What are the ramifications if you have stolen something as well? Tanya Wolfe is the president at the Law Institute of Victoria. What are the legal repercussions for shoplifters, Tanya? How harsh are they? Oh, good morning, Michelle. Good to be with you. Um, well, shoplifting, I think, is, as you just mentioned in that, um, a few sentences beforehand is considered to be theft um, according to the law and theft is not a minor offence, it's a an indictable offence which means it should be usually heard before a judge um, and a, a jury in a county court but it can be and, with, and it is regularly heard in the magistrate's court which is a lower court with, which is called you know, an indictable offence, which is tribal summarily. So it is um, considered a serious offence. Um, however, there are ways in which the law responds to the context of an offending, and that is one of the sentencing considerations. But theft is... Um, there's some, some aspects um, to theft, which are the elements of theft, so that has to be proven for it to be considered to be theft and they consist of four things. Um, The first is that someone appropriates property and there's a legal definition of what appropriation means, um, that the property belongs to another person. Um, The third is that they have the intention to permanently deprive the owner of the property and that they had a dishonest state of mind. And in your shoplifting example, if I'm going into a 7-Eleven store and I see a Mars bar 
and I walk around with the Mars bar and I put it in my pocket, I've appropriated it. Um, if it belongs to another, because I'm not the owner of it, it belongs to the 7-Eleven store. They, I have the intention to permanently deprive the owner of it. How can that be told? Well, if I walk out of the, the store and mm. I pop it in my mouth um, and I eat it, it's gone. And, and that it, you know, dishonesty is looked at in terms of um, you're assuming the rights of the owner without consent. How does it often play out, though, in reality? So obviously, yes, it's a crime, it's an indictable offence. And when I was a reporter, I used to sit in the magistrate's court often waiting for those big cases, but would see mm. quite a few shoplifting cases. And it generally seemed to take... a. a numerous appearances before yep. they ended up in jail. Yes. Well, so I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned the magistrate's court experience because um, I think what you would also be able to explain from experience and, and most of your listeners would also see if they spent half a day in the magistrate's court is the people who are charged with, um, with, with shoplifting offences are often, you'll see again and again, people who really look like they need a leg up. They usually look yes. like they could do with some help. They're people who often mm. have mental health issues, who have addiction issues, have comorbid other concerns and certainly have poverty. So you've got people who you're not seeing arch, you know, great criminals with extraordinary criminal minds who get caught for shoplifting or who come before the courts with shoplifting. And you're right... So there are a number of options in relation to shoplifting. The police have some discretions um, and they do have a discretion as to whether or not you charge someone with it. And again, looking at a person and their circumstances is one of the discretions police have. They could also find someone on the spot. Um, but it can, if it comes before the court, you can either, um, if you uh, ask for it to be considered for diversion. You can be diverted away from the criminal justice system if it's a first yeah. offence and you acknowledge responsibility for it um, and that's a process that you can engage with or if you do go before the court and it is a first offence, um, you might end up with what's called an, a bond or a, an adjourned undertaking where you promise not to do the same thing and um, if you do it a few times, you will... Um, move your way up the sentencing hierarchy and the punishment will be greater. And just shows how complicated this is and the reasons as to why people are doing it. Yeah, and, and Tanya, I, I thought it was interesting yeah. you said that most people, you know, they, they do look like they need a leg up in life mm -hmm. and that was certainly what I observed. But now we're hearing retailers saying that there's this organised element to it as well. I mean, surely that's a lot more serious, someone like that facing the justice system if it's part of a coordinated effort. Um, mm -hmm. have, we, have we really seen that in Australia much? Well, if I can just say from the criminal law sections in the law... Institute of Victoria and my own experience working for a health justice partnership where I'm dealing with a number of the people who will get entangled in the criminal justice system, not because um, they're bad or they don't have a moral comp compass, but often because their lives are so chaotic and they are so unwell um, that this is often a, a byproduct of it. But we don't see the big organised crimes very much. I can tell you right now that myself and my colleagues would say time and time again, if someone has a dishonesty offence, most of the time um, their lives are in such a mess 
Yeah, and it's often like with all organised crime, it's the person at the bottom of the chain that is getting prosecuted and not the person at the top. Tanya Wolf, thanks so much for your time. President of the Law Institute of Victoria. This message, my 19-year-old works for Coles and multiple times a week will pay for somebody's shopping because I can't afford bread, milk or sanitary supplies. But another from Lee that says, this is just such a terrible attitude. I can't afford it, but I want it, so I'm going to take it. We all pay for it because big businesses put up their prices to cover the losses. Matt's called through. Morning, Matt. You're in Ballarat. Oh, I am. G'day, Rochelle. And hi, uh, can I see you back on the radio? Thanks, Matt. Uh, just look, back in the 80s, I used to work at a store called Venture um, on the front door. Venture into Venture. Venture, that was the one. I wasn't sure if you're old enough to remember. Oh, mate, um, I've spent a lot of time in Venture. Don't worry. <laughs> well, they used to put me on the front door as a teenager, just checking bags and stuff, making sure people weren't nicking stuff and sealing, shoplifting. So, like, and you never see that these days. I, I can't hardly ever see people on the door checking bags. So maybe that's a solution. Just having but that's stuff. a pretty big job for a 16-year-old to have, Matt, to say, oh, can I just check if you've stolen something, please? Did you find that confronting? Uh, not overly. I was a reasonably um, hefty-looking uh, 16-year-old. So, um, you know, and it wasn't so much. You just, you know, people just knew that that was the thing. If you if you came in with a bag um, as you walked out, you had to open it up to show that you didn't have anything in it. Uh, did you, you ever know, find so, yeah. someone, Matt, who, who had stolen something? And how did you deal with it? Yeah, yes, we did. And so, you, you know, you call the manager. And, you know, if they, I mean, sometimes they take to a runner. You just have to provide a description to the to the security that was in the in the um, that was like one of these Westfield type uh, areas. So you had other other security, you know, that were that were in the premise as well, um, and called. You know, the police would get called back in those days as well. Um, but yeah, yeah you'd, have, you'd have you'd have a you don't few see it much anymore. You're right, Matt. I actually had it at a big department store the other day, but it was someone just checking the receipt, not necessarily checking the bag. Josh Cullinan is the secretary for the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union, and Josh, you represent a lot of young workers like Matt, who at the age of 16 was popped out the front of Venture to check people's bags to make sure they hadn't stolen anything. What? sort of training is given in particular to young workers if they do see someone that's stolen something or if a manager or a boss has said it's your job to make sure people aren't stealing things? Oh, thanks for having me. We're seeing a hell of a lot less of it now, which is which is actually fantastic, and that is less bosses and employers requiring workers to do this work. It's not safe work. It wasn't safe then. Uh, it's not safe now. It's even less safe now. So Fortunately, most employers have moved away from those systems of requiring effectively children um, to police um, um, theft and, uh, and we're in, and now using other systems. Josh, what are the protocols for, say, someone working at a major super, supermarket, that person who has to stand there at the self-checkouts, for instance, and, you know, help you every time something doesn't go through? If they spot yeah. someone's, you know, taken something... What are they meant to do that protects them as well? Well, we're seeing a change a little bit, but over the last few years, we got to a stage where those workers were required to to notify it to management and it became management's responsibility. So so we saw the major retailers at least move away from bag checks of customers um, or any form of confrontation. There might be a polite inquiry to say, oh, look, I think you might have missed that or can you just make sure you pay for that? Um, but um, aside from any polite inquiry, um, the bag checks or any form of confrontation has certainly come to an end. Now, we're seeing some of that change in, in the more recent months um, as the poverty-based 
um, theft is increasing uh, and we're seeing new devices put on so so i think uh, one of the majors has, has wheel locks on their on some of their trolleys now we're seeing gates get introduced to um to self-checkouts and we're obviously seeing the cameras on self-checkouts in a couple of the majors um, many of those structures are effectively treating the customer uh, as a potential thief um, and they just really generate a a level of conflict or a potential for conflict in the immediate vicinity of these very often young workers, which is a concern for us. Gosh, those trolleys are hard enough to use at the best of times, let alone <laughs> going and throwing a wheel lock on them. I always manage to get the one with a bung wheel. Oh, and when you've got two kids in there, my kids are older now, but I used to have a baby and a toddler. You oh, know, it's the you worst. Know, and then I'm trying to turn the, oh, yeah. Let's not even get started on that. Lots of texts coming in, Josh, saying things like Bunnings have got door guards or my daughter works for a major supermarket they're not allowed to catch shoplifters it's all an ohs issue for these workers just finally i mean does it depend on the people's attitude do you think to that department store so that maybe they wouldn't do it from say a, a small retailer or an independent retailer or a mum and dad type shop but they feel like well you know these big chains they're faceless they've got super profits so what does it matter um, I think in our experience and what members are reporting is really a lot of this is poverty-based um, theft. Um, that that some of the other theft, like the high-priced meats and some of those other items, that's always been there. It, it comes and goes, but there's been an increase in, in really poverty-based theft. Some of the some of the major retailers use um, receipt checking or someone at the out on the way out or on the way in as one means of deterrent. But they're clear with us that they don't require any of those people to have any kind of confrontation or conflict um, with any potential thief. Um, whereas with the with with the supermarkets, really it's about people accessing the bread and milk and the you know, necessities of life for their families, um, and that's where we've seen this increase. Josh Cullinan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Josh Cullinan there, Secretary of the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union. You know, Rochelle, I thought it was really interesting that he said it was mainly poverty-based mm. theft and Tanya from the Law Institute also said it's really people who are doing it tough, not so much of that organised crime, which is what the supermarkets are telling us. Uh, let's go to Shannon Hill now. Shannon is the Sexual Health Advisor at Women's Health Grampians. Welcome to the program, Shannon. Good afternoon good morning still yes good morning still shannon we, we heard and, and we've had some people texting in about sanitary items and that people have been stealing those specifically what's this concept of of period poverty and you know is, is it an item that people are stealing from from the supermarkets yeah there's not a, a, a huge amount of evidence or, or data available on this but anecdotally we definitely do hear of people people stealing period products um it's interesting and another aspect of this in my work is often about um, things like condoms or or pregnancy tests and i wonder how much of it comes into stigma and shame mm. so we know with condoms sometimes young people might be be more wanting to 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 happy with the consequences of stealing condoms rather than the embarrassment of going to buy the packet of condoms. So oh, absolutely. We did a program actually on 
sexual health and just access to information and to products, especially for young people around sexual health. And Shannon, you are bang on when young people uh, would be mortified to either go to the pharmacy or to the supermarket where they may know someone or they may know their parents and then they would rather take that risk. But on top of it, we've also seen an increase in schools now supplying tampons and pads and all sorts of things for young women. Does that help so that if that young woman, for example, knows that her family is really doing it tough and they don't want to have to go home and say, can I also have 10 bucks because I need tampons, that there's being able to get them at school? Absolutely. And we even saw during, I suppose, this heightened time of COVID and and the increasing financial crisis that schools were thinking about how could we get those products to families as well. So I think people are more mindful and trying to help and seeing it as an area of need. Um, So we're seeing more of community health um, and organisations trying to get involved with things like Share the Dignity, um, much more so than we would have, you know, in the previous years. Talking about this broad issue of, of shoplifting lifting and the many facets to it, should we be looking at some of the items that are for sale and, and saying, well, you know, they might need to be subsidised or they are an essential item and when it comes to, you know, sanitary products... In the tax does, on them, yeah. Yeah, does that fall un, under that category, do you think, Shannon? Oh, we would absolutely love to see. So the, the Victorian government had um, has got a... a an idea in place to, to put menstrual products into public spaces. And I think we've all been caught out from time to time where, you know, we haven't got what we need. And so this idea that women or girls might not be having equal access to, you know, participating in sport or education or work or or needing to take time away to get what they need when they're menstruating, I think anything that we can do to help Um, putting free products in public places would be super supportive. Couldn't agree more. Shannon Hill, thank you. Sexual health advisor at the Women's Health in Grampians. This message, it says, the worst theft I ever experienced was in op shops, but never those who needed it, just those who thought it was their right to take something. And this Rochelle and Kirsten, I can absolutely assure you that every checkout operator at our supermarket in Franklin Street in the CBD checks every customer's bag or backpack, plus they have store security and a guard in uniform. That's Matthew from the CBD. So supermarket and retail theft is on the rise. What's the reason behind it? Is it cost of living, frustration at the checkout or is it organised crime? This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Rochelle Hunt with you in Melbourne. Kirsten Diprose, your co-host this morning, joining you from ABC Warnable. Retail theft is on the rise. So why? Professor Gary Mortimer is a researcher in the areas of food retailing, retail marketing and consumer behaviour at Queensland University of Technology. Gary, we pretty much can't keep up with the texts that say, oh, come on, cry me a river. These supermarkets in particular are making record profits. There's almost a sense of entitlement from some people that they believe they can take these products but then that's counteracted from others saying you stealing stuff is the reason why prices are so high and we all suffer as a result it's, it's a really interesting um uh, I, I guess position and, it, and it's quite commonly um discussed which is that notion of it's a really big business and they can afford the uh, the theft in fact it's built into margins in in many ways or well that's certainly the belief now coles and, and Woolworths uh, re- released the annual results uh, only uh, last week 
Uh, it holds nearly 41 billion in sales, but only achieving just over a billion in profit. Now, I'm sure listeners are going, gee, a billion dollars in profit's a lot of money when we're all doing it tough. But to put that in some sort of context, imagine your kids out on the footpath with a lemonade stand all over the weekend and, and they've sold lemonade. They come in on a Sunday afternoon, they're exhausted, and they've got $41 that they've made. And uh, you immediately take from them $40 to cover not just the cost of leasing the table, the, the advertising sign, the lemons, the, the, the food processor, um, you know, but, and also maybe they've lost a couple of lemons along the way, someone's not paid for their lemonade and they've got a dollar left. Uh, that's essentially sort of the margins that supermarkets are, uh, are operating off, which is pretty low and, uh, and certainly Coles reflected in the annual report a 20% increase in loss, which uh, included uh, theft as well as waste. Do you have much inf- information on the correlation between the cost of living and, and theft and perhaps, you know, who is committing these crimes? Are we other individuals, crime gangs, organised crime? Paul Zara from the Australian Retailers Association said he estimated that about, that about 50% of this shoplifting is in that organised category. What's your research indicating there's a whole mix of, uh, you know, I guess, motivations to steal. Certainly, you know, Paul's correct in a high proportion, certainly organised crime. Uh, you know, only this week um, there was uh, a finding, I believe, in Sydney of uh, $40,000 worth of baby formula uh, that had been stolen from um, supermarkets about to be shipped overseas. So there's certainly an organised crime element. There's certainly, uh, you know, the teenage element, the thrill of, the, the, you know, being able to steal something and sneak out of the store. Um, but there, there's many reasons. Uh, you know, we talk about frustration at the self-service checkouts uh, and therefore they go, well, you know, if it won't scan, I'll just pop it in my bag anyway. There's also errors made. So, you know, you, you scan the wrong fruit and vegetable and that then creates a loss for the supermarket. Uh, and then, of course, there's the cost of living. And there is a correlation between increased mm. cost of living and, uh, and theft. Stay with us. Mary's in Mooney Ponds. Morning, Mary. Good morning. I'm just going to speak to the Um I do click and collect groceries mm-hmm. and nearly every week I'm either charged for something that's not supplied or I'm given something I didn't order. So I'm just saying it's not just customers who are responsible for things going wrong at checkouts. And just on Mr Zara, he who sidestepped your question about why more cameras instead of more employees, he said the whole point of the help yourself checkouts was to keep prices down. Mm-hmm. So it seems to me the people who are helping themselves at the Help Yourselves checkout are doing exactly what he says. They're keeping the cost of their grocery shopping down. So what's the surprise there? Thanks, Mary. That's a good question. And Gary, would you be able to maybe speak to that? Uh, Does the cost that supermarkets are saying that they're going to have to spend on those extra security cameras, will that be passed on to the customer? Uh, no, 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 it won't. So we talk about the profit the supermarkets make um, and, you know, w- when you've paid for all of your cost of goods and you, you know, your staff, your wages, your leasing costs, your insurance, your electricity, all those other costs that households have to pay, that uh, that profit you make, you then have to back, invest back into the business. So you know, that would be invest into cameras, extra um, uh, plainclothes, security officers within the store, more staffing in other areas. The, the, the self-service checkouts is a very contentious issue. Um, uh, you know, we should also recognise it's not just in uh, supermarkets we find self-service technologies today, but across the board, including uh, airports, you know, we check our own bags and print off our own boarding passes in discount department stores, in convenience stores. 
Um, the issue, uh, unfortunately, is that um, that is an area where theft does occur. I, I, listen, I don't think people are, or a large proportion of people are going out intentionally stealing because they're frustrated. Uh, a lot of that is around sort of you know mistakes and and uh, you know scanning the, the, the wrong product. It's interesting how much it has changed, though. Listening to the caller before, who was checking people's bags out the front of Venture, you know, which would have probably no doubt been in in the eighties, mm. through to people texting in now, Gary saying morally, like, I mean, are people even allowed to check your bags now? Like, surely that's not legal. What sort of changes? And I believe it, you know, that you've worked in retail yourself. What has been some of the major shifts? Do you think for us as customers towards just monitoring? whether or not we're stealing things. Yeah, I mean, I spent 25 years in retail and I worked for supermarkets as well as discount department stores and the big department stores like Meyer and, and Gross Brothers. Uh, theft has certainly increased uh, and it's across the board. I mean, I, I remember having to apprehend elderly people uh, who, who were stealing basically necessities of food. Oh, this gosh. is long. Yeah, this is long before... You know, the cost of living crisis. It was an impact of sort of low pension rates. Uh, and, and of course, there's children and, and of course, there's professionals that we would apprehend simply because they were incredibly busy and they, they saw a big line of So when you say out. apprehend, I'm sort of thinking like, you know, those films where you have to chase someone down the street and throw them to the ground. I mean, that's a confronting thing to have to do as a retail worker. Yeah. Now, m- m- many years ago, so over 13 years ago, I mean, you know, when, before I left uh, retail to move to, uh, to an academic role, but certainly when we were there, were trained to confront shoplifters or uh, those people we observed um, placing items into a bag or into their uh, you know, onto their person trying to leave the store but naturally there was controls in place we weren't able to apprehend it and physically mm. restrain but we would certainly confront them and in most cases over 90 percent of cases people would certainly return the goods uh, and and sort of walk away and sometimes they'd come back into the store in most cases we'd call police or, or center security and they would apprehend as well they've got different powers and a center check operator if they returned the goods then and there, was it done or did it still go to police? Uh, it, it was done. Um, it, it generally, um, you know, police, from my experience, police wouldn't act on, on a case where someone's left the store without, intentionally left the store without paying for a good and then simply uh, returned the good or placed the good on the ground or gave the good back and then walked away. I mean, uh, no one was in a situation that wants to follow a shoplifter. And certainly today we're seeing more and more increases of, of violence mm-hmm. against sho- um, against um, team members. So certainly the, the mandates today are, are that you, um, you certainly don't put your staff at risk but there's lots of things that we're seeing you know there's certainly extra cameras in place there's uh, electronic security control tags that eis tags that are placed on meat and, and on cosmetic products new gates being put in place i'm sure that um maybe some of your listeners have used the self-service register and looked at the little uh, window of them scanning so they're actually being filmed scanning yes, it's quite That's, confronting yeah. when you see yourself there it's never an attractive angle <laughs> is it <laughs> It's never an attractive angle, no. It's terrible. Gary, stay with us. Mary's Bayside. Mary, good morning. What did you want to say? Hi, look, um, I just would like to say that when someone has made a mistake, a serious mistake, they shouldn't feel embarrassed to put their hands up and say, I'm I'm sorry I made a mistake. And I think this is what the supermarkets have done with their self-serve. They've made a terrible mistake and they need to do something about that. I thought so you meant if someone in, had shoplifted accidentally, but you mean no, the supermarkets have made a mistake by putting in no, the self-service checkouts? self-serve and, you know, the gentleman just saying they're putting in more cameras, more, more tags, you know, more gates. People will always find a way to circumvent security issues. It's just the nature of 
what people do to try and get away with things. So the more secure the supermarkets mm-hmm. try to make it, the more people will find that as a challenge to just get around it. And all the people who, who the staff who've lost their jobs because, you know, five checkouts have closed down, that's five staff that are gone. You know, some of them have just disappeared into thin air. Some are, you know, crunching boxes back in the back room or restocking the shelves. It's just appalling the, the way the staff have been treated to allow the supermarkets to make more money. But at the end of the day, they're losing a lot because of... Yeah. Theft oh, they're making record reason. profits though, Mary. I mean, even though their theft is up, their profits are up at the same time. Mary, thank you. Gary, in all of the years that self-checkouts have been around, people aren't warming to them, you know? Like, uh, the, the fury hasn't stopped in all of the years that we've spoken about it. Will we ever just accept that that's the future of supermarkets or like what Mary said, will the supermarkets ever go, yep, sorry, we were wrong, we're putting staff back on? Well, I mean, we talk about the cost of living um, and, you know, obviously if if supermarkets were, and and retailers, we talk about discounted pump stores as well, removed self-service registers, um, all we would do is increase wage costs to the store. So there is this narrative that says that as you put in more self-service registers, people lose their jobs. The last listener saying five checkouts have gone, five jobs have gone. That's not the case. I mean, certainly wage lines or wage percentages have not decreased as a result of self-service technologies. What they've done is they've moved those roles into other areas of the store. For example, one of the roles that we never had in stores was an online uh, shelf picker. So if you're walking up a supermarket shop uh, today or tomorrow, you might see the team members walking up and down the aisles um, picking online orders. Those jobs simply didn't exist a decade ago. So as uh, self-service technology has come in, that's enabled businesses to, uh, I guess, move staff to other areas, into fresh produce departments, into deli departments, uh, and into online uh, picking roles as well. Um, it is challenging, though. Yeah, I mean, and that's a whole other can of worms when we look at the role that gig workers play in supermarkets now and whether or not supermarkets should be outsourcing to companies like Airtasker or Uber or you name it. We actually did a a program on that on the Conversation Hour not too long ago, so you can go back through the ABC Listen app Mm. and have a listen to that. Do you anticipate just finally, Professor Gary Mortimer, that theft will rise? Cost of living, we're only starting to see it really impact people's lives now with uh, mortgage repayments and people potentially having to sell their homes. Do you see it getting worse before it gets any better? I I suspect it will. And it goes up every year. I think it it goes up every year simply because the cost of goods goes up every year, uh, you know, and the frequency increases. But there certainly is a correlation between cost of living crisis. And and, and I completely understand that there are situations where, you know, you might be a struggling family, you've got big mortgage repayments, you've got to put $2.28 a litre of diesel in your car, which I did this week, and it cost nearly $100. Uh, School fees are coming in, insurance rates go up, uh, private insurance goes up, electricity goes up nothing ever seems to come down uh, and then uh, you walk into a supermarket and you know you need to put food on the table um, so it is challenging um, you know I, I, I guess you know my expectations will continue to see increases in loss uh, across the board not just supermarkets but but, but across uh, the retail sector Professor Gary Mortimer thank you for joining us take care Professor Gary Mortimer, a researcher in food retailing, marketing and consumer behaviour at QUT. Rochelle, it sounds like this potentially is really only the tip of the iceberg 
It's complicated as well because, as we said right at the very beginning of today's show, the reasons as to why people are doing it are complicated. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. Take care and we'll speak to you soon.